This is Andres from Double Tap, and you're listening to the MASHcast on Mash Those Buttons. Welcome to episode 164 of the Mash Those Buttons MASHcast. I'm Nick, and I'm here with Jeremy Dupier. Hey, hey. And this is not your normal MASHcast, because Jarrett's normally here, but he could not be with us this week. So uh, instead, it's me and Jeremy, and we'll be taking you through some of the news in, uh, I guess, the, the video gaming world over the last week. Um, how, how have you been, Jeremy? Been pretty good. Have you played anything good since uh, Star Wars Battlefront a few weeks ago? Uh, I've been playing Metal Gear Solid Five. Ah, uh, I hear that's good. I hear that's good. Have you found Kojima in the game? Uh, yes. I okay. I got him from the uh, the little side game, uh, Ground Zeroes, and you can oh, okay. you can uh, upload your save data, and it carries over people that you rescued from that one. Oh, so you got him in Ground Zeroes, actually? Yeah. Oh. Okay, maybe that's the game that I, I thought he was in. I don't know. I. I can't play Metal Gear anymore. I don't have the time for it. <laughs> it's very methodical. Yes. Yes. So, let's see here. Let's get into our news bites uh, for the week. Uh, the first little piece of news, um, and actually I'm going to knock this one out a little bit early here. This is new- This is news that only Nick is going to care about, which is why I'm going to knock this out real quickly. Um, Paradox has purchased White Wolf, White Wolf Publishing from CCP. Uh, CCP is the publisher for EVE Online, and uh, they owned White Wolf Publishing, and they were supposed to do a White Wolf MMO, which is why I'm mentioning this, because I was super excited they were going to do a White Wolf MMO, even though there's a chance I probably wouldn't have liked it, because I was a fan of of White Wolf's mages, and they're probably the hardest thing to implement, Uh, but that doesn't matter anymore, because now Paradox uh, owns them and not CCP, so... um, as I said, this is something only I'll probably care about. But for anybody who ever played like Mage the Ascension or Werewolf the Apocalypse, um, this is just something to take note of. Um, let's see, what else we got here? Uh, moving on into more general, actually video game related news. Um, there was the Sony had their Paris Games Conference this week. And they, I don't know, there were a few, I guess there was a, a bunch of announcements there. The only real two that I took any notice of was. Quantic Dream announced Detroit for the PlayStation 4, um, which they did their Cara demo, what was that, like two years ago? Which was just a nice fancy demo of like a, a, like a girl robot moving around, a female android. Yeah. Um, and apparently they liked her so much they built a game around her. And I don't think that was the original intent when they did the Cara demo. I think they were just doing a demo, but... Um, you know, inspiration comes from where inspiration comes from, and they had decided, let's build a whole game around it. So now, apparently this will be set in Detroit, uh, Android City, as the, the trailer seems to suggest, and presumably the plot is that 
there's an android and, and androids are bad and she's hiding amongst the humans, which is a no-no. So I guess you'll, you'll play as her or play with her and have to keep her hidden and get, get whatever crisis she's in solved. So. Yeah, she has some sort of defect where she can feel emotion or something like that. Oh, okay, that's what it is. That's what it is. It's it's the androids are becoming too human kind of thing. Yep. Okay, okay, that makes sense. Um, and then the other big news, at least as far as I'm concerned, coming out of the Paris Games Show, um, was that No Man's Sky was announced that it will release in June of 2016. Finally. Finally, yeah, which means... I'm going to have to find time to go see the Warcraft movie and play No Man's Sky. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. I, I've been seeing a lot of people getting concerned, and I think rightly so, that No Man's Sky may wind up becoming like Spore 2. I can see that. Where, yeah, exactly. Like, as soon as that people started saying that, I'm like, I completely see where they're coming from because Spore looked like such a massive game on such a a massive scale. And especially, I think it's not so much that it was a massive scale, but it started out at a fairly tiny scale and then grew. And I think people are kind of seeing the same thing here, that it's this massive procedurally generated universe. And especially the further out you are, the less likely you are to run into people. I know they, they had uh, no man's sky on Colbert a few weeks ago and, and they named some stuff on a planet after Colbert, I think there was like a Colbert-saurus, and the planet was called like Colbert, <laughs> um, which is cool and all, but it's kind of weird to think that, okay, if they're naming that in the actual galaxy, that's actually going to ship with the game, but it's, there's a chance that nobody's ever going to see it. It's kind of, it, it almost, it's almost like the video game equivalent, like if, if a tree falls in the forest, does anybody hear it? I'll make sure to seek it out. Yeah, if a tree falls on a proge- procedurally generated planet. Does anybody notice if nobody goes there? <laughs> so, yeah, good luck Good luck trying to seek it out, because I don't think it's actually documented anywhere. I mean, that would be cool if there were actually, like, places in the universe you tried to go to. But from what I understand, it's so massive and so large that even that might be difficult. Yeah, and since it's procedurally generated, it might not even show up. Well... See, that's what I don't know. Like, if if they're going through, like, as it's being generated, and they're and, like they they have people playing through it now. Anything they're doing at this point in alpha or beta, whatever stage they're in, is that going to carry over to the actual game, or is this all stuff? I have to imagine they wouldn't let Colbert name a planet and then not have it in retail. So that wouldn't make any sense. No, it's DLC. Exactly. <laughs> now you're thinking <laughs> EA is going to hire you. <laughs> Uh, but uh, yeah, those yeah those those were the two big things that I I thought uh, were noteworthy. So we'll be I'll be looking forward at least to No Man's Sky in 2016. Um, moving on, we also have Facebook uh, has promised to tone down their game invites again. Uh, I guess uh, Mark Zuckerberg was speaking at the Indian Institute of Technology, Delhi, and I guess he got a question about. Uh, you know, I guess invites and, and stuff with the games. And he said, there are some tools that are kind of outdated that allow people to send invitations to people who have never used a game. And we hadn't prioritized shutting that down, but if this is the top thing that people care about, then we'll prioritize that and we'll do it. So it doesn't sound like necessarily, it sounds like this is basically something that he only became recently aware of that people consider this to be an issue. And so he's going to take, not that he's going to take care of it. He'll have a team take care of it, but um yeah, so I guess if you know if you're still getting those crazy invites in, 
you know, to like Candy Crush and whatnot and Facebook. Um, don't worry anymore. They'll be going away. I, uh, yeah. I feel like, uh, I feel like if you don't play it, you shouldn't be able to be sent something like that. There should be a separate invite from the other one, like where people send you like, Hey, I need, I need you to click this link to help me in the game. Only send those to people who have the game. Whereas people who on your friends list, you don't have it, don't get anything. And you have to send them like a separate link to be like, Hey, you should try this game. <laughs> well, I think it depends to a certain degree that yes, you do want to advertise your game to people who don't already have the game. I think there there is a market for that. But yeah, you're right that for certain types of activities that require somebody else to to have the game, like you want to pr- at least prioritize people who have the game already. I know I get a lot of invitations to like slot games on Facebook, mm-hmm. um, and I've I don't know I don't find them to be that obtrusive. Actually, they're usually just up in the corner where I can ignore them. Um, they're not in my feed so much, but I guess maybe depending on the game, type of games people are playing, that that can be a lot more obnoxious. So, uh, yeah, if, if you find that to be a problem, you're in luck then, because Facebook will be taking care of that. And let's see here. And then also, I think this is our final news bite. Uh, that Quake Live is no longer free to play. Uh, that I guess this has been the browser-based version of Quake that came out a few years ago, and there had been an updated, or not an updated, like there was a subscription model that you could purchase to get some perks. Uh, I think you were only paying like $10 a month or something for that, or $5 a month. And they're just getting rid of the free-to-play version. Everybody's going to, there's a $10 entry fee for it now. And then you'll be able to go in and play Quake uh, as, as you used to. And I think the perks are just, rolled into the automatic subscription now. So, uh, yeah, I guess this has been going on since February of 2009, so that's quite a few years. It is quite uh, a long time. Yeah. Uh, I was reading on that, and apparently the uh, the transition between free-to-play to not free-to-play killed everybody's, like, stats. Like, oh, yes. Since, like, 2009, they've been building up their stats and stuff, and it just got all erased. That hurts. It does. <laughs> that hurts. Uh, but I guess the point of that is that they're trying to roll out some functionality that's part of Valve's Steamworks tool, and in order to do that, they did have to wipe the stats. So, um, but that just means you get to kill more people to build your stats back up. That's what I figured when I uh, when I read it. <laughs> I mean, that's. I think that also means that if 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 you knew this was coming, then you could just do whatever the hell you wanted because it's like your your record's going to get expunged. Uh. I don't think anybody knew it was coming, sadly. Mm. So, yeah. So if you if you play Quake Live, you have to pay for it now. And if you if if you were hoping to play Quake for free, you're gonna have to pay for it now. But, um, yeah, that's I'm impressed that Quake is still going strong in that regard because there's there's certainly a lot of FPSs that are out there to get people's attention these days. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> this is, this is where Jarrett should be on the show. Coming out in five days. <laughs> Hmm? I said there's an FPS coming out in five days. Which one's that? Black Ops 3. Oh, you're right. Yes. Yes. That's uh, yeah, one of, the, one of the granddaddies of them all there. Um, but speaking of granddaddies, uh, Nintendo being like the, the granddaddy of gaming consoles, kind of. Mm-hmm. That was a terrible transition. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Nintendo, uh, as we get into our first topic here, uh, they had really two announcements this week. Um, 
One was just that their profits were doing well. Their profits were up. Uh, the, the, their system sales were roughly stable. I think the Wii U is actually selling a bit more. Uh, the 3DS sales kind of went down a little bit, but overall, it's still pretty good for them. So financially, they're doing well. I think this, I saw this was the first quarter they're in the black since like 2012. So that's pretty good. A, yeah, it's been a while for them. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, they're finally coming around stable. Uh, but I guess the bigger news that they had is that the Tomo is going to be their first smartphone title. And I'm not entirely sure what it does, but it looks like it's a little world you could play with your Mii's in. And I guess you send them around to interact with other people's Mii's. And you do this on your phone. Okay. <laughs> so, I mean, maybe it's kind of like... It kind of falls into the same vein of Animal Crossing or like Nintendogs where you've you've got like a virtual character that you're kind of overseeing or, you know, a virtual space that you're overseeing. Um, It is a free to play title, um, but yeah, they they didn't really, they, they they said it won't be dissimilar to Street Pass in function letting players create a mobile me and communicate with other users. They really didn't go too much into detail to what the gameplay actually is. Uh, But this is the first real offering we're seeing from their partnership with Dina. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see what the other, the other games are going forward. The, the, I guess the other thing about this too, is that this was supposed to come out in 2015. It has been pushed back to March of 2016. So I'm not quite sure how they could announce a title and then immediately push it back. Um, uh, I, I, I guess maybe they were hoping to announce it and then be like, and it's here now. Probably. I, th- I think so. But probably need to do some improvements considering it's their first smartphone app. S- sounds like the, the improvements they need is to add an actual game. <laughs> but no, I don't know. I mean, I sh- we, we shouldn't be too hard on Nintendo. I think... I mean, a lot of this drive may be that the new CEO, um, you know, t- taking over for Iwata, was, was that, uh, what's his name here, Tatsumi Kamishima, that he's, you know, it, it's one of those things, I mean, this fundamentally, uh, you know, like, he hasn't been CEO long enough to implement, you know, like, to, to, have, to, to like, be, be, to have decided this, like, all this stuff was decided under Iwata's watch. But it'll be interesting to see wh- which direction he takes the company going forward. I think that's what a lot of people are, were looking at those financial results for, looking to these announcements for. He seems to be stressing a lot on the mobile, or at least understanding the concept that mobile is important, uh, looking to create a synergetic effect uh, between their, you know, their mobile applications and then also the 3DS applications and then also the the Wii applications. And I know he's been one of the reasons that the NX has been pushed up in schedule uh, for that to come out next year instead of any later. So I think, yeah, people are are, are looking at, uh, they're looking at what exactly Nintendo is doing and they're, they're just kind of watching. I mean, it's great that the company's profitable again. Yes. But they're watching to see like, is, is there going to be any major change in how Nintendo's operated for a while? So We'll see. I don't know. Are you, are, do you think you're likely to get a Mitomo on your phone? Probably not. I barely play smartphone titles as it is. Plus, I am, from the sound of things, it sounds like it might be a thing that they use to get people 
familiar with Nintendo IPs, which I am already familiar with, so <laughs> I don't well, think I'm, I'll need it. I'm guessing you have a me somewhere, correct? I do. It's on my Wii U. Oh, you do have a Wii U. That was yes. going to be my next question. All right. So, okay. So you would at least have that ready to go. I have, I have like a bunch of me's on a bunch of different Wii's, but. Oh yeah, no, so do I. I got no, three Wii's. I got a Wii U. I got two 3DS's. Damn. So do they use the same Mii's on the 3DS? Uh, if you, I think you have to create a me every time, which is goofy. It should be tied to your like Nintendo account or something. That's what I would start to think, and maybe that this is a direction that they're going. Or actually, then again, knowing that the NX potentially is supposed to be part mobile platform, part console, maybe that's where you'll see your your me start to link to multiple devices. Um, because, yeah, at this point, having to create the same me over and over again. I mean, admittedly, they're not that complex, but, yeah, I mean, it, it, we shouldn't have to recreate an avatar unless we specifically want to create a new avatar. We shouldn't have to create a different avatar every time we get a new console at this point. Like, they should just be able to kind of keep the basic framework, you know, let you roll it over, and maybe each time that, you know, whatever different... Uh, whatever different options or perks are introduced for a given console, you know, maybe you can sort of, you know, improve on your avatar in that regard. But mm -hmm. I'd assume that the Mii's on the Wii U are better than the Mii's on the Wii. No, they look the exact same. Really? Well, I should, uh, actually, now that I think about it, I take that back. You're right. <laughs> they look the, exact the Wii U is not that much better than the Wii. <laughs> so, but hopefully if, if the, the NX is supposed to what, be, be true next generation, um, then maybe that will, you know, your Wii's will actually be like HD Mii's. Yeah, they'll uh, they'll grow up to be the uh, Xbox Gamatars that you have. Pretty much. That's that's what I figured. It's like it's... Pretty much. Well, that would be. I don't know. That'd be one of those things. Like maybe it'll have like the uh, was it the NBA Two K face recognition? Oh, jeez. <laughs> Where you take the picture and it'll just scan like your, your your facial mapping onto the onto the model and look terrible. The 3ds does that, and it, you're right; it does look terrible. So, I think we're still a few generations away from that working, um, and that could mean like three years. But <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, no, it, it's one of those things. Like when it does work, it'll be amazing. But until then, it's just going to be kind of a terrible, terrible yeah. thing. Yeah. But yeah, so that's what's going on with Nintendo. Moving on to our next topic, uh, Batman Arkham Knight is finally, finally back on Steam. Uh, as, as, as you may remember, actually, I don't know if you may remember. I don't remember if we were recording when this happened. Um, I certainly do know about it. Yes. Yes. But yeah, Arkham Knight was apparently horribly, horribly buggy at PC launch and had to be pulled almost immediately from Steam because the game was virtually unplayable on PC. Uh, and Warner Brothers knew about the fact that it was buggy and they didn't seem to care. They were just like, get it out. And then it came out and it was just a hot mess and it was so terrible. They had to pull it from Steam and they said, we're going to work on the game and we'll put it back on Steam when it's ready to go. And that was like four or five months ago. 
And now it is ready to go again, and it has been released back on Steam, and so now you can go ahead and buy Arkham Knight and play it. Um, but the big caveat is that in order to avoid paging issues with Windows 10, it is recommended that you have 12 gigs of RAM. I am two gigs short. That's that's a lot. That is a lot of RAM. And I'm sure there are those of you out there with your high-end PCs that have, you know, 12, 16 gigs of RAM. Um, I myself was getting by with six just fine. But then I, again, I play WoW mostly, so. <laughs> but, yeah, that, I mean, it, 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 I don't know, it's, and even then, even then, it's questionable as far as how much the performance gains you're actually seeing are. Uh, but as long as the game, I mean, as long as the game's running, it's not crashing, it's not unplayable, that's an improvement. Yeah. I just need I mean, people to report back how the game acts when you get in the Batmobile. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Because that was the real kicker. I mean, this is, it's, I mean, it, it's amazing that. It's amazing that any product like that could be released, that somebody somewhere wouldn't think we shouldn't release this, but I think you get to a point in some of these companies where the bureaucracy is so large, either the people who understand the magnitude of the problem aren't able to appropriately appropriately convey the nature of the problem to the people who actually can do something about it, or the problem, the problem just never actually makes it to the people who need to know. Like, if somebody's saying, like, oh, it's buggy, you can't release it, they're thinking, like... Hell, even like Assassin's Creed was buggy, but that wasn't unplayable mm-hmm. for the most part. And I'm I'm talking not the not the new one, not the the one in London. I'm talking last year was it Unity last oh, year. Unity, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, not the uh, I, I've heard what I think the the current one. Uh, what what's the what's the current one called? Not Syndicate. Syndicate. Yes, thank you. I've heard mostly good things about that. Like, it's not completely bug-free, but it's not anywhere near as bad as last year's from a bug perspective. Um, the game itself looks to be Assassin's Creed. I think you know what you're getting at this point. If you don't, well, where have you been? If you don't, go back and play the older games, because they were better. <laughs> Far less buggy. <laughs> yeah, they're less buggy, and you'll get just, you know, roughly the same level of action. And they should be cheaper. Go get... Uh, Go get uh, what was it black black sales? Uh, four. Yeah, yeah. Go get go get go get uh, Assassin's Creed Four. That was a good one. That one comes recommended. That gets the mash those buttons seal of approval. <laughs> there you go. But uh, yeah, but anyway, getting back to Batman. Um, I know Arkham Knight. That's another game Jarrett said that he really enjoyed, uh, and is, I think is in his discussion of game of the year. Um, which, if you play that on console, it's amazing. But yeah, the problem is that if you if you if you're trying to play it on PC, hopefully you can enjoy it. Hopefully you've got the 12 gigs of RAM to play it. Um, it's it seems kind of crappy that they had four months to work on the game, and this was their fix is just get throw more RAM at it. Yeah, it does seem like a very shoddy patch issue. Yeah. Like, there had to be a better way to do that. Um, but, and even then, if that was your fix, it took you four, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I mean, we, we don't have any kind of uh, Destiny style insider information about what went on, what went on at Warner Brothers as far as when they were fixing the, 
you know, fixing this. Uh, although there was a nice piece back, again, a few months ago when the game got delayed about why, how Warner Brothers didn't seem to care about all the problems. And they, it was, I think, they, uh, they released out the, was it Rocksteady did the development for Arkham Knight for, for console, and they leased out the PC to Iron Galaxy, and they, they struggled with it. Yep. But, and it's a shame, because I like Iron Galaxy. They did, uh, God, why am I dr- drawing a blank on the name? Uh, Dive Kick, which is an amazing, amazing fighting game. Um, have you played it? I've heard of it. You've heard of it. If you're if you're ever on the East Coast, we'll have to come, you have to come over and play it sometime. All right. It's it's, it's a fun game. It's very simple. Um, you dive in, you kick. That's it. But for simple as it sounds, it's way more complex than that. Um, but anyway, for sure. Yeah. No, but uh. Yeah, so, I mean, you, you would think they'd be able to come up with a better fix over the four months other than just throw 12 gigs of RAM and, and call it a day. I wonder uh, if they sat there and actually tried to solve the problem, couldn't come up with any solutions, and they're just like, throw more RAM at it. You have to think they did. I mean, and it could just be that they just couldn't fix the problem in the time they were given, and there's no point in asking for an extension on a game that's already four months negative, you know, negative four months from when it was supposed to be released that, I mean, that it was actually released and then pulled because I mean, we've. it would be one thing if right before launch, they said, Hey, and we're going to hold back the PC version for four months. And we never knew about how terrible it was before. And then it comes out. Although even then, hopefully they wouldn't, the solution still wouldn't have been 12 gigs of Ram. Cause that would just seem weird. I guess here we, we kind of have to accept it because we know how terrible it was before. Yep. So, at any rate, if you if you play on PC, if you wanted to get Batman, now's your chance. I just hope you have enough RAM. Although mem- memory is still cheap nowadays, right? You can just buy it. <laughs> yeah. If you don't have 12 gigs, you, 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 can, you can buy it. may not be able to put it in your system immediately, but you, you can buy it, right? Yeah. Memory is super cheap. Just hope, hopefully you have the OS and the... Uh slots to put it in exactly exactly so moving on uh halo 5 guardians came out and it seems to be getting well i guess aside from the fact that it has no multiplayer or or i should say uh split screen multiplayer rather uh it seems to be getting you know well well enough reviewed um what I didn't realize for Halo, though, is that they're actually looking to push Halo as an eSport now. Because any multiplayer online game that can be pushed as an eSport will be pushed as an eSport. Yes, they will. So, I guess to that degree... See, this this strikes me as weird. Because when you look at... When you think of like multiplayer games, and especially like console multiplayer games from you know this millennium, you know going back to two thousand, Halo is one of those games that like defined console multiplayer games. It's one of those games that people had, I guess, predominantly at their dorm rooms, you know, hooking it, hooking their Xboxes up all on the same network, and then they played against each other that way before Xbox Live. It still boggles my mind as somebody who's never owned an Xbox. It still boggles my mind that. Xbox Live did not come into its genesis until Halo 2. That Halo and Halo multiplayer was so amazing, 
and it predates Xbox Live. There's all like, I understand LAN parties. Exactly, exactly. Like I understand, like the what was it was it uh, Goldeneye was on the N64, right? Like that's even earlier than Halo. Yeah. And I and I understand that being extremely primitive, but but even then, like Goldeneye still had the split screen. So I mean, there were very tiny split screens, but it still had the split screen. <laughs> Those four little blocks in the corners. The exactly. Can't say anything. Exactly, and so it's weird to think that Halo, which is this franchise that fundamentally established Xbox Live as an online multiplayer setting that Halo is not already an eSport that somehow it, I guess it's, it's almost in a way it's kind of like looking at like an evolutionary tree and it's like you know you're looking you know if you look at like the current like lowest branches on the tree you'll see all the games like you know Call of Duty and uh, and, and CSGO and even then like you know your, the, the MOBAs and, and Hearthstone and stuff like those are all your current eSports and if you go back up the tree a little bit you know a few generations up that's where you'd find Halo and it's weird to think like Halo's just finally trying to fight their way into being an eSport now but I guess they never really had the opportunity I guess part of it was that when 343 took over from Bungie. I guess they didn't really focus too much on the multiplayer in Halo 4. So now finally they're like, okay, so we've got, you know, we've, they've got making a Halo game on, you know, lockdown. They understand how to do that. They've got a crazy story with, with Spartan Locke and, and Master Chief and finding the truth or hunting the truth, I should say. So that's all there. But now they're they're actually looking like okay we want to make our multiplayer esports worthy and so they've added some features to the game like I guess a, a was it a spectator mode basically like a, a camera angle that'll will show you what's going on okay and also I guess there's two there's there's two different uh, like multiplayer ma- modes I think one's kind of like an arena mode and and then I think the other's more of uh, like a deathmatch, but what's interesting, I guess, is that three four three actually hired a bunch of pro players to help develop the maps, to go over the maps, to look for any points where, uh, oh hey, like you know somebody can get up to this point here, and then from here they're basically unbeatable because they can just pick everybody off and nobody can get to them, and then make sure that the maps are smoothed out and remove any of those choke points, so that that fundamentally the map itself is more competitive. Um, that it allows for a good flow to the, the combat that it can't be cheesed. Um, okay. Which is, which, I mean, that makes sense. And that's, you know, that, that's good that they're doing that. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I just, it's, I, I, I don't know. It's, I guess it's, this is one of those fundamental weird things about esports is that, we, like, we know what the sports are. We Like, the traditional sports. Baseball, football, basketball, hockey, sometimes soccer. Um, or, again, I guess football, depending on where you are. But, like, that's very well defined, and you rarely see, like, another sport all of a sudden come out of nowhere to be like, you know, like, yeah, it's we're a big thing that's going to draw everybody's attention. But esports, and maybe it's just because esports is so young, it it feels like everybody's still trying to get in on it, that... I don't know if we would have, like... like I mean, StarCraft was around for the longest time, but that seems to have dropped in popularity. Um, League of Legends is still huge. Um, you see people 
you know, I, I'm thinking of like Overwatch and uh, was it Lawbreakers? Like those are trying to come in as esports now. It, it's, I guess, fundamentally, I guess esports is just always going to be different from regular sports in that because esports relies on games and games keep coming out. I mean, fundamentally, games are a product that need to be released every year. Yeah. Uh, you know, e- even in the case of StarCraft, I mean, that eventually got superseded by StarCraft 2. Um, so it's not like it's not like with football or baseball where you're not going to get like football 2 coming out that's going to have new rules, it's going to make it better for everybody. <laughs> um, like it's cuz you're not buying you're not buying football every year. You're just we're just viewing the product like there are institutions and I don't think esports is going to work the same way. I, I, I think, I guess what, th- what this is really a sign of is that esports is always going to be a continuous cycle of what games are popular. And maybe you'll have little niche tournaments. Like sure. I'm sure there are people that still play Starcraft. I'm sure there are tournaments somewhere for like the original smash brothers on N64. Oh God. Um, although Nintendo might try to shut those down, but like, I guess like those games will always exist somewhere. But fundamentally, like the big esports, I think that's always something that's going to be changing. And I think we're always going to be seeing games trying to get into that market. You're not going to see anything get locked down into a specific set of, you know, esports is always this, esports is always that. Um, it's always going to be an evolving set of games. Right now, League of Legends is huge. You know, Hearthstone is big. Um, you know, CSGO and, and Call of Duty. Um, maybe Halo can make a dent in that. I kind of don't think so. I don't know. It's, I don't it, know. it's it's tough to it's tough to say. Like I don't know. Maybe we'd have to give it a few months to see how it goes, and, it, and then we can report back if it looks like it's struggling or something. But it's 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 a tough guess right now. Well, I don't think. See, I don't think Halo is going to struggle necessarily. I feel like I feel like there will be plenty of people playing it. And I feel like it, like the multiplayer will draw a lot of social gamers you know not not casual gamers necessarily but like it'll be it'll have a healthy multiplayer for the non esports community yeah and i guess fundamentally if as long as i guess as long as a company throws money behind it if there's a big enough tournament with a big enough prize you'll get the pro esports players to jump over to that um i mean yes there's a difference between playing you know, like like CS:GO on a PC versus Halo on a on a console, uh, but you've got the Call of Duty pro players already. I mean, they're used to that. Pr- presumably, they don't all play on just PC. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's just a tough guess because, like, I've never, I, I've personally never seen Halo as that type of game. Like, I don't know. It's always felt like the just jump online and go nuts type of game. Not not like a you know, 5v5 type, you know, professional, quote-unquote, like, deathmatch game, kind of like Call of Duty, or if it has other game modes that kind of pertain to 5v5, like Capture the Flag or Search and Destroy or anything like that. I don't know, it's just, I, I can't picture it very well. Like, it's always fun, and it does have the healthy multiplayer it does on Xbox Live because it's the kind of game that you just go and play, you know? I don't know. Call of Duty seems to have some game modes interspersed where it seems more condensed and focused. Well, not to 
not to irrationally throw these two games together, but I think they're, they're forever going to be tied together. Yeah. But Destiny. Like, Destiny has multiplayer, online multiplayer. Theoretically, it, you could have a Destiny esports league. Um, I mean, you, you you need to separate it within the director so it's not just open to everybody, but I mean, that's I'm sure they can handle that on the back end if, if they really wanted to. Um, and you could have, you know, Crucible, you know, professional Crucible, basically. <laughs> um, but, well, one, I guess, the, as I think Jorge and, and Jarrett and, and Waldy would tell you, that PvP is horribly unbalanced in Destiny, yes. so that'd be impossible to pull off. <laughs> yeah, that would it would not make a very good esport at all. So that may be part of why they haven't done that, and maybe that's part of you know again that could have been something that maybe was somewhere in that you know whatever Destiny's original plans were is that oh and we'll have online multiplayer. This can be an esport, and that's just been significantly pushed way down the priority list. Um, but. It's. I, I think maybe Halo kind of falls into the same thing. Like, like. I I think people look to Halo. They look to it for the story. They look to it for the Master Chief. They look to it to play with their friends. I don't know that anyone necessarily looks to Halo and is like, you know, this is, this is something that should be played at a high level. Yeah, I don't. I, mean, I don't it, think it, so. I mean, it's cool, and and I'm sure that. I'm sure that if you love Halo, you'll watch people streaming Halo. Um, you know, you'll watch pros playing it. But it feels a little—I don't know—and and maybe I'm just not the right person with my the right you know my fingers on the pulse, so to say, to know that there's a demand for this or not. Yeah, me either. Um, but Halo never—I mean, it's one of those things. Like, I guess it's, it's sort of a question: like, what games do strike you as a possible esport? <laughs> because Halo's not one of them. Um, and not that, but, you know, I think part of it too, is that three, four, three, I mean, do they have, they don't really do anything else other than Halo at this point to have any esports on their repertoire. And it's weird too, because it's, it is an Xbox only game. It's not, you know, not even on PC, mm-hmm. whereas most of the esports I think tend to be fairly PC dominated. I mean, that's usually where you wind up viewing the esports is on your PC. Yeah. Um. Although maybe, you know, if, if Microsoft wants to really get into that heavily, um, they could start allowing more, you know, Twitch streaming. I know there's, what, a new Twitch app for the PlayStation 4 that you can, uh, you know, view stuff a lot more easier on the PlayStation and, and I think stream easier to Twitch from the PlayStation. Um, maybe they'll do something similar like that for the Xbox. Probably. So. Yeah, I don't know. I guess... I'm just saying that it it doesn't feel right (laughs) that it uh, back to what I said about it struggling was not necessarily the multiplayer component where everybody's on Xbox live having fun shooting each other. I'm saying like maybe we should just wait and see how the esports part of it goes. (laughs) Oh yeah. "Eh." Yeah. Cause it's yeah. It's just, this doesn't strike me as an esports game. No, and that's and to, to a degree, that's what three four three and Microsoft have to com- combat is yeah. if they want to come out and yeah, if they throw money at it, then they can very easily <laughs> combat that. I mean, a year from now, we might be talking about like the one million dollar Halo Finals Grand Prize or something, and, and how great you know whoever the Halo World Champion is. Um, but they've got a long road ahead of them in order to get that done. Yeah. 
So let's see here. Then uh, moving on, uh, there was also a ruling um, by the U.S. Copyright Office uh, regarding an issue with the DMCA, the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, uh, that was preventing people from playing games. If you had a single, well, well, fundamentally, if you had any game that required online authentication to a server in order to play it, and for whatever reason, those servers, like if the company that was hosting the, the online authentication, if they were ever shut down, even if the game would still run fine on your computer, theoretically, if the game would still run fine on your computer, if you, if when it would go to authenticate to those servers and they weren't there, you couldn't play the game because it would be like, well, this isn't authenticating. Um, if you tried to hack the game to not authenticate, so that this way you could actually play a game that you purchased and legally own, but can't play because the servers that it authenticates to are not there. If you tried to hack that game, that was illegal, and you could be charged under the DMCA. Uh, so the EFF, the Electronic Freedom Foundation, uh, went. To, you know, bat, bat, butted heads, I guess, against the ESA um, in order to get this changed so that now the, the U.S. Copyright Office has ruled that if you have a game and you want to play it and the authentication servers no longer exist, it is legal for you to modify the game so that it doesn't try to authenticate so you can play the game. Um, which, this is one of those things that I feel like it should be obvious. Like, it's it's the dark side to... DRM, and I shouldn't, I mean, DRM is pretty much all dark side. Yeah, let's be real. But, yeah, it's it's one of those things where you buy a game, you should be able to play that game in perpetuity, barring the fact that, like, the media that you use to install the game might potentially, like, stop working at some point. <laughs> like, as long as you, you know, as long as you've got the game installed, as long as you have a device capable of running it, and you don't run into any actual, like, issues with that, then there's no reason why if a company goes defunct, all of a sudden a game that you paid full price for with the understanding that you would be able to play it, you know, for, for the lifetime of, you know, your computer or whatnot, or even if you, as long as you ever find a computer and you can install the game, it should be good. Um, and it almost seems like it's one of those things, maybe like that should be the last patch anytime a company is going to pull a server. Yeah. They should just send it a patch to turn that off. But yeah. if, if you're going under because of a lack of funding, you're not going to have the funding to fix that. <laughs> Probably not. So it's, true. it's yeah, so it's a bit weird in that regard. Um, this does not apply to though. This does not apply to MMOs, which kind of makes sense because with, in that case, you're not just authenticating. Like you're you're connecting. Like the entire world lives on the server, and you're really just running the client. Yeah. Like if they pull those offline, like I can see why that's a little more. Like that that's a little more complex. Like you're not at that point you're not modding the client. You're building the game on your your computer. <laughs> that's a uh, dedication. Yeah. Well, I mean there th those those do exist. I mean, you know, there how many one of the things I like on the the World of Warcraft Reddit or the World of Warcraft subreddit I should say is that Every so often, you'll get people who are posting pictures like, I found this picture in a, in a long-lost vanilla folder. And, yeah, it's not so much that you found this in a, you know, like a, you know, you had like some screenshots from v vanilla you just stumbled upon. You're playing on a vanilla server, and you just took that screenshot. Yep. But if you say you were playing on a on a private vanilla server, 
that's actually against the rules of the subreddit. So you have to just say like, oh, this came from the past. <laughs> so, but that's, but th- th- that, well, I mean, that's a, com- a kind of a different issue, but I mean, that's not so bad insofar as it's always fun to see how the game has changed. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially what with the cataclysm changing, you know, change, changing a lot of the vanilla zones. It's always neat to see, like, oh, hey, look at me. I'm in old Orgrimmar. Look at these pictures. Because you can't see that anymore. That, that old Orgrimmar is gone. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, now, so there's some value to that. But, yes, that is still illegal, though. Yes. I mean, it and, and it's not even just a violation of the terms of service with Blizzard. I mean, it's flat out illegal to be modifying your client to play, you know, in a way that's not intended like that. As far as it goes for an MMO. But it's yeah. good, at least, that we got the r- ruling regarding DRM changed for single-player games. Um, that makes a lot more sense. Now, hopefully, and the way this whole thing sounds, it makes it sound like that in a strange world where Blizzard no longer exists, we would still be able to play Diablo 3 because we can modify it and disable the stupid authentication to their servers. Uh, that I don't know because Diablo three lives in that odd space kind where of it's floating not in the ether. <laughs> it's not a single player game, but it's not really an MMO. Well, yeah, it's so to play single player, you have to be connected online. Yes, but you could play multiplayer at any time. So it's kind of like eh. And that sucks yeah. because with the console version, you can play single player whenever the heck you want. It doesn't have to connect. But it's like, I have it for PC. Mm. <laughs> so if this ever, ever were to happen and I still wanted to play it, it's like, yeah. <laughs> well, in order for the provision to come into effect, Blizzard would have to shut down the Diablo 3 servers. Yeah, okay. Which, if they were to do that, something terrible must have happened. <laughs> Very bad, yes. <laughs> that is the darkest world. timeline. <laughs> Very strange world. Yes. Yes. We don't want to see a world where Blizzard has to shut down their servers. But, uh, like, either Blizzard would have to shut down their servers, or Blizzard will f- fundamentally have gone out of business, in which case they're shutting down the servers. Um, so, yeah, at that point, the conversation changes, because then there's a lot more questions about Diablo 3 beyond can I play single player? Um, and presumably before, I mean, before then, I mean, like right now, you could still play Diablo 2 online, right? Yes. Or they, I mean, they haven't even taken those servers down. But you could play single player without being online. Like, yes. That's, that's the caveat there is D3, you need to be online even to just play single player. And it's very funny when you're playing single player and you start to lag when you're playing single player and you hit the pause button, the game's supposed to just pause. But if you're lagging because you're connected to their servers and you hit the pause button, it won't pause right away. It's really <laughs> funny. So it's That's like not good. It, it's it's very jarring. You like you hit escape and you're just sitting there like, well, any moment now. So it's that's it's yeah, it's kind of an iffy gray area there because it's like I'm only playing single player but I have to be on their server it's like would there ever be a way to play it single player without being on their server it's like you know based with this rule that 
they've made. I don't even know if Diablo 3 would even work if there's not an authentication server to connect to. No, at this point it wouldn't. Yeah, but that's it, but but that also has to do. You're not even authenticating with Diablo at that point. You're authenticating with Battle.net. Yeah. Which, if there's no Battle.net, like even if you circumvented the connection protocol or whatever it is, the game wouldn't run unless you had a way to really like a good way to fake an authentication connection. Yeah, like that's the kind of thing like. Like yeah, like I was saying before, like if for Blizzard to shut down the servers, like they'd they'd have to like decide to close Battle.net altogether. Yeah, um, and like that's not happening unless the company's folding. That's just not there. It's way too ingrained in what they do. I mean, they're even moving the voice chat, or I, I shouldn't say they're moving. I mean, w- like right now there's voice chat in World of Warcraft, but they're going to be implementing voice chat at the Battle.net level. Oh wow! Okay. Which, that's going to be interesting, if only because, like, Hearthstone, one of, the, one, of the, one of the big things that people love about Hearthstone is that your interactions are very limited. <laughs> and if you can voice chat in Hearthstone, now you can actually start to, like, you know, g- give people, like, you know, you know like, like you, rather than just being like, you know, like, good move, good move, good move, you can actually, like, talk shit to them. <laughs> I think... Just based on what you said just now, I think it would probably only allow you to voice chat with people that you have on your lit friends list. Yeah, I think that's that's presumably the direction they would go. Because that's um, what Steam does. You can only like, besides being like in game with people like Counter Strike, if you're not connected to any video game or whatever, you can still do voice chat on Steam, but they have to be on your friends list. Steam has voice chat. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, uh, if you go to your friends list and you double click somebody instead of like sending them a message, you can start a voice chat. Huh. We should try recording through Steam. Oh god, <laughs> the rabbit hole goes deeper. <laughs> so, but well, yeah, what hopefully if we can't tweak up. Sorry. Hmm. What'd you say? Oh, I said, but what if we can't wake up? <laughs> That's okay. Steam will just say that you're you're snoozing. There you go. So, no, but this, I mean, fundamentally, this is great if you've got an older game that you can you can go ahead and play it. Um, and most likely, if you've got an older game where the servers were shut down, you've probably already modded it or downloaded a mod or something to allow you to play it if you wanted to play it. Um, if you're not playing the game, you probably give up in frustration and moved on. I mean, you know, at this point, there's not much you can do to go back. I mean, you can always go back to it, I guess. But at the very least, if anything ever happens to your computer or like nobody's going to come after you now to be like, oh, you owe us money because you were playing this game illegally, even though you couldn't have played it any other way at this point. Um, it's one of those things where it's like it's a provision in, in the DMCA that was a little bit too pro-corporation and not really considerate of the situation for the consumer. Um, so it makes sense that the copyright office would make this change, um, and hopefully they'll continue to, uh, you know, make these changes that will will kind of make the DMCA work for everybody and not just you know corporations and companies and whatnot. So yeah, yeah. So I think I think that's all we had for this week. I don't know. Did you have anything else you wanted to talk about? Uh, other than the fact that it is now officially November, so Black Ops 3, Fallout 4, and 
Star Wars Battlefront hype. Oh, this month, this month is going to be brutal. It's it's going to be insane. My PS4 is probably going to explode. What was it? I, I saw a meme somewhere. It said, "Wife, wife elects to spend as much time as she can with husband before she loses him to Fallout 4." <laughs> so. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what that's how it's going to be. And then what? Did you mention Starcraft? Starcraft is coming. Oh, Starcraft, uh, yeah. the Void. Yeah, Legacy, Legacy of the, the Void. Too? That hits. That hits the same day as Fallout Four. Oh wow, nice. Yeah, and then we, we've got the Overwatch beta that just started to keep your attention. Um, I I only include games that I am invited to. <laughs> <laughs> Blizzard. <laughs> well, we got to start streaming. That's what they're saying. Is they gave it to all the streamers. So if you if if you're uh, if you stream regularly, maybe we can get in. <laughs> Gonna have to start. Gonna have yeah. to start. So, yeah. So I think that that's it for this week's Mashcast. This was Mashcast 164. Uh, you can find us. We're on SoundCloud.com/slash Mash Those Buttons. We're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher Smart Radio. Where we're instantly available streaming on your iPad, iPhone, and Android devices. We're on Twitter.com/slash MTB Site. We're on Facebook.com/slash Mash Those Buttons. We're on YouTube.com slash mash those buttons. What's your Twitter, ha- uh, Twitter handle, Jeremy? Uh, at Shokasaki, S-H-O-K-A-S-A-K-I. I am at WookieBH. Uh, the podcast schedule every Monday, you get the mash cast with or without Jarrett. We don't need him. We could do this by ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we won't let him back next week. <laughs> we'll see if he edits that part out. We'll see if I'm back next week. We'll see if I'm back next week. <laughs> exactly. Oh, God. Um, but you know what we will be back for? There's going to be a WoW Talk this week. Hey. So yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll hear us on that with uh, Ray and Eric. That's bi-weekly, so it's this week and then every two weeks uh, and so on. This is our pre-BlizzCon episode where we get all excited about all the great news we're going to hear about at BlizzCon, uh, which we'll talk about on the show. Uh, Double Tap, that's the uh, fighting game podcast. That is the first week of every month. Uh, they got uh, Mikey's going to be on there uh, filling in for Crash Tag while he's away. So that's going to be pretty good to listen to. And then In Orbit, that's the Destiny podcast. That is that is every other week, uh, but it's the alternating weeks from WoW Talk. So you get you get a fighting game podcast the first week of every month. You get the MASHcast every Monday. And then you get WoW Talk or Double Tap, depending on the week. Or I'm sorry, WoW Talk or In Orbit, depending on the week. Um, so, yeah, I think that's everything. So... Uh, Have a great week, everybody. Peace.